0: West Ham, bogey team. West Ham, bogey team. Chelsea! 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 What's up ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Anik on Chelsea podcast with me, your host, Jan. How are you all doing? What a frustrating game against West Ham. Jesus Christ, man. It's always West Ham, isn't it? It's usually they beat us after a poor run of form. Or in this case, they found a bit of form. The fans got behind him after that away win at Everton. And, you know, in typical fucking fashion, it screws us up. So anyway, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to review that, uh, which is going to be loads of fun, guys. Uh, and also I'm going to quickly run over the Europa win. And then preview this epic double against a frightening Liverpool side. Hmm, anyway, let's go. Alright, guys, so <laughs> I'm fucking dreading this. Let's go over the Pauk game. The away uh, the away fixture increase in our ropey league campaign. Yeah, I won't speak too much about this because it was a little bit of job done in terms of the hardest fixture in the group and getting it the three points. Probably like biggest talking points was the lack of youth. All of us Chelsea fans were hoping to see hudson Doy tear up this um, this competition, and we, we saw him and Ampadu travel of course with the team. So it seemed like a bit of a given, them playing. They weren't even on the bench. It turned out it was a pretty darn strong side, with like rotation, five changes to sort of make it a semi B-side, B-team for Chelsea. But the uh, the lineup came out initial like disappointment from not seeing the the lads on there and then upon like a little bit of reflection quite quickly thinking yeah okay I get it he's taking it seriously he wants to establish himself and get the points the harder points in the group on the uh, on the table first and also it's a chemistry thing we gotta like I mean I'll probably talk about this later on in the pod we got to back, sorry, and t- he's only been there for a few weeks and the more chance he has to sort of establish a chemistry between a core group of players the better it is and um, he obviously sees this as an incredibly important, he said it's going to be months before he, his style is established and implemented so if he has an extra game to try and get this in, hammer this into the players in what is a weaker opposition and you know perhaps quite a good opportunity then, then why not? uh so it was a one nil win goal from william quite early actually and it looked like we may you know we may turn them over much like many of these games in the early part of the season it was a sort of frustrating match in the sense of uh, lots of chances no goal scored i think the main talking point of a of that uh, game was Murata being unlucky one chance he certainly should have buried but um yeah, generally, generally unlucky because he, he hit one really good header that was a cross goal and just went wide of the post and would have been a great striker's-headed goal like, you know, old, i say vintage Maratta early last season Maratta back. But, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, it's kind of like forgettable in the sense of it was a bit meh, gutted not to see the kids, but in the end, you know, it, it proved to be a little bit of a slog. So just let's wipe that from our memories. Uh, like I said, guys, I don't want to talk too much about this game because it wasn't that exciting, and it, it's definitely something that we don't need to judge too much. Essentially, we can just wipe it from our memories and just look at the three points in the group. So, um, yeah, let's sack off that <laughs> Europa League game. I'm going to the next one at Stamford Bridge. So when I do the next the pod after that, I'll hopefully have some more exciting things to say, and hopefully having seen a bit more of the youth play. So let's um. Let's just go straight into the West Ham game. Alright, so in the London Stadium, I was sort of predicting that a draw would not be the worst thing in the world. Maybe a 2-2 draw. And it's not the worst thing in the world. Twitter's fucking losing its shit, if you excuse my language there. And it really isn't that bad. If you look at the, the table, the story, the narrative, the context of our season manager, players, system, blah, 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 blah. It really doesn't matter. West Ham were for 3-1 away win at Goodison. And it's just typical Premier League narrative fashion that West Ham are up for a game against Chelsea. It actually sounded like there was an atmosphere in the London Stadium for once. And it was all just bloody sod's law, as we say over here in the UK. So, pre-match... Um, my um, my mate texted me saying, oh, look, Arnautovic isn't playing. I went on West Ham fan TV. No. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit that out. I'm just going to let you listen to me being a, a retard. No, I went on um, Love Sport Radio again on the West Ham fan show. Uh, chatted to a couple of nice West Ham fans there. They were talking about... <laughs> in, they I was talking about me fearing Arnautovic and they were talking about their fear of Eden Hazard. Uh, it turns out, uh, Alnaovic was injured, and this is what my mate texts me, that like, oh, Alnaovic is injured, so I was like, oh, we're gonna absolutely have a lovely time here, maybe like a 2-0 win, and, uh, on that radio show, they were frightened of Eden Hazard, <laughs> I don't wanna say Eden Hazard didn't turn up either, but he didn't have his best game, so, you know, incidentally, what, incidentally, what we thought would be the big dangers, apparently weren't the big dangers on the day, so, um, Pre match, I thought you know I was I was feeling confident when I saw he wasn't playing, um and also Antonio was playing instead of Javier Hernandez. I don't know if he's injured. To be honest, I can't even remember the bench. I'm not even gonna look. But anyway, their lineup that I looked at, I quite fancied it. Um, and the game was frustrating. We um. Our lineup was the same with Ariza Belaga. It's the same back four: Louise, Rudy, Rudy to get a knock later or something for Cahill to come on. <laughs> I remember the uh, commentator said on on the uh, stream I was watching, uh, saying that the narrative was absolutely set up for a Gary Cahill winner, <laughs> you know, like a sort of stoppage time header after like being forced out the team and looking likely to uh, maybe even go in January. On a little tangent there, I'm not doing social media questions this week, um, purely because it's more fun doing it after a win. But also, I had the idea to just do a poll and let you guys decide. I um, have a few talking uh, topics for me to finish with, and um, one of them being Gary Cahill's potential end at Chelsea. Uh, but interestingly enough, and pe- perhaps not so not so surprisingly the The winner was to talk about N'Golo Kante in a potentially wasted CM spot uh. shortly followed by the striker situation but I'll talk about N'Golo Kante at the end and, you know, I might touch on the strikers in the meantime So we had the midfield, f- uh, had the fullbacks backs were Alonso Equator. midfield free of um, Kovacic, Jorginho and uh, Kante and then uh, Giroud started with Willian on the right because Pedro took a shoulder knock away in Greece, and yeah, Hazard on the left. So it was incredibly strong lineup as per. And it's so sort of, it's it, we're seeing two sides of this Chelsea side. One the one element that it always maintains is passing, possession domination because that's Sari's priority. Keep the ball, keep the ball, which is great. It's fine. It's exciting. You got the ball more, you got more chance of doing stuff with it, but. Sometimes it's incisive, the way we move forwards, and sometimes it's frustrating. The latter's been present a lot this season, which is again fine, don't lose your shit. So early doors in the sorry uh, rain at Chelsea. I I saw a lot of criticism for Giroud. I feel like he could have got better service. He did look free cut a frustrated figure. For me in this game, the main the main frustration was just not playing people through. Um Hazard, uh, when when Morata came on for Giroud later in the game, Hazard seemed so hell bent on just trying to get him, get a goal for him. You know, there was like a couple of occasions where he tried to play him in. When you know, same old criticism for Hazard, just take the shot. Morata had a couple of chances. One, he put the pool um in Fabianski's face. <laughs> Maybe he could be doing a bit better. It's difficult with Morata because he's not missing absolute sitters, which we've seen him do. Well, we saw him miss loads of one and ones the latter part of last season. Latter part of last season, he's not really doing that. He's getting in positions. He's like just fine margins, or he's hitting the goalkeeper in the face. We were such a narrow block, and really, we we needed to go a bit old-school against this uh, West Ham side. The way they're playing, playing rather, we needed to bring some width in and do some cutbacks and this, that, and the other. But we're so sorry, so persistent stylistically, which is fine because he's trying to implement his style and he wants to the players to know how to play a certain way in every situation because they're so good at it. Much like Pep Guardiola last season, interestingly enough, Pep this season has done what maybe Conte should have done in his second year after winning the league, and he's switching up how they're playing. They're doing like uh, more frantic long balls, and because they've got the players to run onto them, them, um, yet with a sort of Guardiola-esque style. You know, and they can always go back to passing against all the teams, but he's been really smart in terms of switching it up. So much like Pep in his first season, Sari wants to just hammer in how he wants to play. He look, regardless to the opposition and regardless to how they're coming out in defending or, you know, executing a game plan, we want to know this application so well that it just works regardless. And yeah, so I, I dig while he's doing it, but there's just this little lack of, like, ruthlessness and... Goal scorers from the midfield. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to talk about Kante at the very, very end. But, you know, when you've got him being, like, one of the big outlets and chances, trying to get his little head on it, like, he's so tiny, man. There could be anyone getting a header on and They've got a way better chance. He's getting underneath headers rather than getting his head over them. Funny that. Dude's fucking tiny. <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, frustrated. And had it. We had, like, a load of attacking chances. Um, time spent in their final third and not playing between the lines, not, you know, carving them open enough and being ruthless. There's no they weren't clinical at all, weren't ruthless. Um, and maybe we had a bunch of chances, but the couple of best chances in the game, um, that went to West Ham. Um, a reasonable made a good save. It's worth noting that he looked good. Once again, he's not being critiqued, he's going under the radar, well, people aren't, you know, there's been no recent headlines of how the world's most expensive goalkeeper's not living up to his name. You know, the only goalkeeper headlines recently is either Larice being a pisser, driving his car and getting banned, or Vorm being crap, or, you know, Alisson throwing the ball <laughs> kicking the ball around to let the opposition score, so that's good news for us Chelsea fans. How Balaga sort of kept his head. He's kept his head down. He's been commanding. He's made a few good saves, and you know we got another clean sheet. But god damn that Yarmolenko chance! Even fucking Kante would have scored that. Speaking of running onto headers, oh my god. I think God's really trying for sorry to 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 win them or do well because that should have been a goal. You saw Arnautovic in the stands when he missed that chance and he was just like, you know, his the look on his face said it all. So, you know, they could have quite easily won West Ham, uh, maybe should have despite all the possession and domination from Chelsea. So with our strikers, because I'm not going to chat about the strikers at the end of this podcast, probably want to talk about it now. So Giroud did start, um, he has very good combinations, or he's got a very good chemistry with Hazard. Now Hazard like had an off day, right? We all looked tired, you know, I don't... It is like an excuse, isn't it, when you're tired. Like, I can already see myself, because we're going to bloody Anfield in like a couple of days, after just coming, after just doing it away... Game in a derby after having a two days before or whatever it was three days before playing in Greece, but then having the flight delayed by twelve hours, so having no time to prepare, and then going to An- um, Anfield, and then like a few days later playing Liverpool again in the league, who are the best team in the league at the moment, and we're still a new side trying to figure ourselves out, and we're knackered after all this travelling. It's a lame, you know, football fan excuse, but it's legit. So we look tired in this game as well from that trip in Greece. Um, If you weren't tired, you know, if we had like a full week of preparation and we're playing Cardiff at home, we can play some (laughs) beautiful football and score some goals. But no, yeah. So Giroud, I do like him. We know he's not going to score many goals, even if he has a really sort of good season as a starting striker. His job would be to, to to link up play and be a defensive striker and get assists and stuff. So. If he got like if he was our like, starting striker and got 12, 14 goals, that would be a very good return for him. And say he got I don't know 12 same amount of assists, but just his presence there and what he's doing, he'd be like an invaluable part of the system. But we're gonna need a marksman, dude. And on paper again, that should be Morata. Um, a, c- a couple of occasions where I think when Williant took a shot at the end, he definitely should have played in Morata for a tap in. Um, but I think there was that sort of nervous, frustrated part of the game when we were like, I'll oh, just get the points, just get a goal, just get a goal whereas you needed to be ice cold there, think about what's best but then again, I don't think that when Hazard, again in sort of the same respect but the opposite way around, Hazard should have taken the shot on himself when he was like, oh, okay, Morata's close, let's get him a goal can't be fucking about with that now, man we've got to, you know, get the first goal at least and then start doing stuff like that so yeah, um strikers in general do we have a problem there like I said I'm not going to talk about this at the end so let's just get through it now this isn't so much of a fun pod guys I'm sorry (laughs) there's no crisis at Chelsea that's a good away point considering you know maybe the fatigue and considering the feel-good factor return at West Ham and it being an away game in a derby and us being a new team so it's fine it was a good point in that sense but just Evaluating the play and having a look at stuff pragmatically. Let's just quickly talk about strikers. I've often spoke to you guys on Twitter. I've done polls. I've done try to open a discussion with like a load of people um, chiming in and talking about different options. Acardi was one that kept coming up, and I was like thinking, yes, I would love Acardi. <laughs> in my FIFA team on my career mode at Chelsea, I bought Icardi. Um, You know, they're my two strikers, Morata and Acardi. But he is—he's just a poacher, isn't he? He just scores—he lo- scores loads of goals. But I don't think he'd be good in the system, pressing. He wouldn't hold up play at all. Um, I know that was, again. I've said before, and I'll say again—that's not necessarily Sari's main desired effect for a striker. So, doesn't it, you know, again we could talk about the the um, imperative adaptation for the Premier League, and maybe he will look at something like that. But anyway, whatever. Point being is Icardi, he, I don't think he's going to, he's not going to run and do that pressing, we saw him against the uh, Spurs with that am- amazing goal, that's what we'd probably need him for, touch of the uh, Diego Costas in that sense, like right at the end of a game, be like, look boys, I'm not having this, I'm going to win us this, or I'm going to break the deadlock here, with a, with a goal against the odds or out of nothing, all of us would love him, but you know, if you want just like a poacher, we've got Michi Bachwai, man, if we're throwing around chances in the 18 yard box, He's great at putting those away, but there's no point going, um, you know, I don't know if we can recall him in January, I don't even know if he's playing for Valencia, I'll have to look at that a bit more, but, you know, maybe Sorry will recall him, he obviously, or maybe didn't fancy him, or maybe the club just told me he was being loaned, and like I often say, Sorry was just happy with what he had, and was agreeable, and whatever, whether we uh, recall Michi or not. I don't know, I'll go for someone else. But yeah, I'm digressing slightly. With Arcadi, he'll be so hard to get away from Inter. They're like back in the Champions League now. He's a proper uh, international fan. He's the captain. He's been the captain for a while. A young captain too. There was some controversy with the ultras in some stuff he wrote in his book. But I think that's all sorted out because he absolutely is bailing them out all the time. You know, top scorer last season. He's He's excellent. Oh, and also in the discussion, people spoke about Bellotti, which I'll be interested to see how he's doing at Torino, because there was a time when he was, like, top boy, you know, in Serie A. Everyone was talking about him. Um, very young again at the time, obviously a couple of years old now, doing loads of bits, like scoring hat-tricks and stuff, I think. So, you know, he looked, he looked awesome. In terms of buying a new striker in January or not, I'm not sure whether that would happen or if getting Mishi back would be a um, a possibility, you know? But for the moment, we've got Giroud and Morata, and there's talent there regardless. Morata's a very talented striker. He's just a confidence player, and he's down on confidence. And we don't have time to fuck about with any of that. So we'll see what happens. I keep saying on Twitter, like, even if Morata got 10 goals in a relatively... In relatively quick succession, now I'd be so reluctant to just trust him as our number nine just because of what we've seen so far. Just we're just gonna have to wait it out till January and hopefully we get one of them start scoring goals. Morata did score that nice goal against Arsenal. We see these like decent goals, we can't rely on like a, a worldy volley from Giroud, one every 12 games, <laughs> whatever it is. We need someone to just play through legs and defenders and find the bottom corner much like Hazard does, but we need number 9 to do it yeah, well and quickly, so hopefully Morata can score some goals. Um, you know what? It was a frustrating game, Chelsea fans. I mean, there's not much more to say. I'm going to talk about the positional midfield stuff at the end, guys, but in the meantime, let's move on and talk about our potential... <laughs> I was, yeah, let's just talk about Liverpool. Right, so I think it's Wednesday, we go away to Anfield in the League Cup. The hardest fixture we could have drawn in the third round, which is fucking bullshit. (laughs) Away at Anfield in the third round to the form team in England at like what is the most difficult ground on like an away cup tournament night. So yay. Again, I don't wanna sort of play the the with we're really in our infancy card, but you know, Klopp's got them purring. This is on this fifth year. We don't really know what we're doing yet, and it you know, we're in a matter of weeks in. So I urge you, fellow Chelsea fans, if we get turned over here, please don't lose your shit. And you know, there might be heavy rotation. Um we also play Liverpool at the bridge afterwards, but let's just talk about the cup quickly. If we get eliminated from a competition this quickly we can just sort of focus on the rest i'd be- inter- I'm going to put this out on social media later. I'd be interested to see what you guys think in terms of um rotation, giving other players a chance in a quite a high profile game, um, if that'll be good for them, if it'll be bad for them, or whatever you think. but it's going to be an incredibly difficult game regardless. Uh, you'd imagine that Klopp would do some rotation. Uh, the, you know, they've come off a excellent win again on the weekend, and they'll have a day more rest, which is unfair, considering we've had more travel. I'm not making excuses, I'm just venting. I'm allowed to be, a you know, a pissed-off, partisan Chelsea fan. Anyway, I'm looking forward to it, man, because also, when, when you don't have that much of a high expectation, you can sort of sit back a little bit. Sari, in his post-match press conference of the last game, spoke about Liverpool. He said, we're a year off being that good. Now that sounds like a weird excuse, but again, if you look at the sort of tangible facts here, Klopp has invested ridiculous amounts of money into his team of how he wants to play, and he's finally there, and it has been five years. We've done neither the investment nor the time for Sari. He's just turned up. Granted, he got Jorginho, which was uh, an important team purchase. But, you know, otherwise, he's got nothing in the in terms of comparison with Klopp. So we need to all bear this in mind. If we were just that amazing and just constantly sick from the beginning, doesn't matter who we have, then, you know, we'd have this sort of entitled, we always need to be amazing. But I urge you not to feel like that because, let's be real, just look at look at the facts, man. So very, He seems very calm in the way he talks about his project, giving it time, needing it time, evaluating the opposition, being realistic about the opposition. And uh, in a way, saying we could be at Liverpool's level in a year's time is probably quite ambitious, but he's allowed to be ambitious because he's the Chelsea FC manager. So, you know, I'd definitely take that. If we have some great possession football all the way up, and by the time... Next season like this, we've got a solid defence like Liverpool and this like solid attack like Liverpool and we're like playing Champions League finals and stuff. That's good, right? So it's a positive thing what he said. So, I, And, you know, it's ex- also being expected by pundits and bookies to, to challenge for the title. So, you know, it's a good thing that he said that. Um, I think Salah scored again on the weekend, so his <laughs> goal drought, inverted commas, is over. And it looks like they were um, singing again together, this team, because there was a sort of question of selfishness when they were missing chances and not playing each other in. I don't think... I think there will be some rotation. Shakiri will certainly hope he starts on the week, uh, on Wednesday, sorry, midweek, because, yeah he's a quality player. Yeah, and I sort of maybe put him at the level of, uh, well, I don't say Hudson-Odoi, because Hudson-Odoi hasn't scored, like, in the Euros overhead kick worldies. But I'd like to see hudson adoy Maybe, like, you know, on Liverpool, where they start Sturridge and Shaqiri. Uh, Matip scored on the weekend, so maybe it would be like Matip and Lovren. They, they, Klopp could rotate heavily and still have a really strong team home at Anfield. Yeah, I'm not... Anything could happen in this game. If we win it, great. I think both managers wouldn't really give a shit if they were knocked out. Because Sari wants to build his team and focus on having a good enough league campaign to implement his style and keep his job, <laughs> because he's at he's at Chelsea. So, and you know, Klopp's just come off a Champions League final. He'll fancy that. He's, he gets to a lot of finals and um, he'll f- feel fancy in tournament football. His chances again. But then again, everyone's saying they should win the league. So he'll he'll have his eyes firmly set on both of those things. And if if the Carabao Cup, whatever the fuck it is. If that gets out the way, then he'll probably be slightly relieved so that he can just move on. So it's not—I I don't think the team talk's going to be like, "We have to win this, boys." It's like, he'll be like, "Go and express yourselves," <laughs> which might mean they play even better. Who knows? But it's an interesting one. We won't really know how both managers feel about it until we see the lineups and the execution of play. And like I said, it's at Anfield. But see how that goes. Now let's look. Let's think about the next Liverpool game, which is at Stamford Bridge a few days later. Um, If there is heavy rotation in the cup game, then it gives our manager, sorry, a less of a chance to use that as a sort of uh, subject of analysis to to bring forward into the Stamford Bridge game in terms of players' movement. not style of play, because it's always kind of the same, but if it was the exact same teams twice at Anfield and at Stamford Bridge, you could sort of try and use the game analysis as as an advantage for the upcoming game at home, our our gaff, so it's difficult because of it, because of it being a cup game and it's um against a team who has ambition in all competitions or certainly the bigger competitions, it's really difficult to call. I mean obviously if that if this cup game early doors was against like a Leicester again or something, you could imagine a very strong team and the desire to win. And a hard game as well, of it being away. But it is gonna be Anfield. It is going to be a very hard game. Don't lose your shit if we lose. And um, when it comes to the home game at Stamford Bridge, you know, that's the kind of games you expect Hazard and our, our sort of more leader-esque players to get up for. And we might have more of a chance. Um, I think Conte had quite a good record against Liverpool or didn't get didn't get slapped about by Liverpool a lot. But I think Sarri's a style of play. Sarri's more. Maybe, um more fragile to Liverpool we'll know more when we see it guys um, yeah I'm not going to preview it much more because we all we watch Liverpool play they're probably the best team in the league with City at the moment um, they're looking excellent, they're the only team left with a 100% record and deservedly so quite convincingly so I'd probably argue they're the best team and we're a new team um, in terms of uh, Sarian style and whatever you know I keep echoing my previous sentiments so it's all about people just not losing their shit over what is a project um that's just begun that we've been impressed with generally so far it's probably a bit of a relief for sari that he's dropped points now and he can (laughs) it was going to happen eventually he said look we're not going to win every game it's a good away point just think about it like that so that being said I've reviewed uh, the Pauk game kinda, looked at West Ham, tried to calm down the fans, we talked about the strikers a little bit and what you know what's going to happen, are we going to get someone in January or is Morag going to start firing, um, looked at Liverpool, so let's talk about N'Golo Kante. <laughs> N'Golo Cante. la 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 la, I'm not going to sing the chant now, anyway. Best defensive midfielder in the world. World Cup winner. PFA player winner of the year. Football writers player of the year. EA Player player of the year. Uh, Premier League winner with two teams and consecutive teams. Da-da-da-da-da. Amazing player. Amazing work. Right? We've got a problem. <laughs> he is the undroppable player, right? Over the last two years, you go, yes, he's arguably the main reason why we won the league. Certainly the reason why Leicester won the league up into the final in France, integral to them winning the World Cup. Oh, but I heard, right, there's a football writer, there's a journalist guy called Gary Hayes. If you're a Chelsea fan and you follow other podcasts and stuff, you probably heard of him. He said before, actually quite a few people heard, I saw a different sports analyst on YouTube say this, about how Angolo Kante does not fit into this Napoli team. And that's before the league started, even before preseason, And it's becoming evident. We don't need a sort of destroyer mopping up at the back because for this style to work, you need the number eight, you know, playing through the lines, arriving in the box. Um, I mean, he's got no problem with link-up play. He can make recoveries in that final third, which is good. He got his yellow card in the game probably because... Maybe he didn't have enough time to make the recovery because he was further up. But on paper, and I've said this before, it looked like a good thing. Him making the recoveries, he can still get back sometimes, but you know, still be up there. And he can do combinations, and he is very smart. He can always learn. So, it's when we have troubling times, like that West Ham game, when he was the one getting some chances, maybe like three good, good enough chances, and you can't criticize him for missing them because he doesn't do that stuff or he hasn't like. Every time I see him arrive at that perfect time and get on the end of a header, you think, "Yes, good run. You're, you know, you're, you were smart enough to learn that movement." Um, that sounds really condescending, like. But you know what I mean. From a DM to suddenly become become uh, this player that knows when to arrive, where he's supposed to be running, the overlaps, and this, that, and the other, and he is there, at right place, right time. But he's just this little dude. He's not going to do a towering header into the ground that bounces up and it's unsavable. He gets underneath the headers and, oh man, it's, and, you know, he caught that volley on the cutback and just skied it over, which is like, you know, it takes a good striker to finish that anyway. So, poor gola you're not going to back him at all. The odds of him tucking that one away are very small. So frustrating, man. But, you know, the argument came out. Barclay Barkley took a nice shot also that was saved, but, Kovacic is not a prolific scoring eight. Barkley, you know, he's known to put a few away, but he's, that, that, that's, he's been out the game for so long that that's going to take a while to come back. And at the moment, he's deputising for that Kovacic role. Jorginho is, you know, the engine room. And yeah, I mentioned it on Twitter, but I haven't in the pod yet. Yes, he broke the record for most passes in a Premier League single match previously held by Fernandinho, which is cool. But, you know, context is everything. If you're not winning the game, it's just a guy that's touching the ball a lot. <laughs> I know. It, it has to go through him, so kudos. Great. He looks like he is going to have the most touches and passes throughout the season. If you look at it like that, then that's great. We want to win games and score goals. But So I'm not, I'm not going to ever dig out Georgino for not scoring goals because he really is that sort of quarterback regista, and we know that. So let's just leave him there. Alonso will probably get a few goals, and more than we ask for him. He's been looking better as a wing back. He did get caught out slow, a couple of times, but I think sorry, a full back. I think he's doing better, and I'm happy for him to remain. Same with Aspie. I think stylistically, of the right back tucking in, he's good. It's really the, the two number eights and the front free scoring. Now, I, you you back are wide. You back Eden Hazard to score X amount of goals. Pedro was a big miss. Um, William will School Girls. It's really the two number eights in front of Jorginho and the striker. Now, the f- best, the f- three we've got in the middle, talent wise, is immense. Jorginho, past master of Europe. Kante, the most loved DM in the world, super talented. Uh, Kovacic, really widely respected as an incredible young talent in Real Madrid. Very, very, very good. Loads of people think he's excellent, which he is. It's just gelling and executing goals. Now, I've talked about the striker, we can talk about the fucking striker till the cows come home, and we know the situation with that. We need someone to just dominate lap up chances. But the main sort of problem here, and that big talking point is N'Golo Kante, purely because we're not using him for his best attributes. Now, my defense for him that has been, and I will sort of maintain is, he's such a talented footballer, and you can apply his talents and attributes to where he is further up the pitch. It's just frustrating to see him... If he's, he's already scored one goal, if he scored one more goal this season, if he scored the one goal in that game, if he scored one of those three chances, this conversation doesn't happen. Twitter doesn't go, yeah, he scored a goal, but he's still playing out of position and wasted. You go, no, I see what he's doing. We got a clean sheet. He's part of that system still, and he got the winner. So it's fine margins, isn't it? And it's too early to, to lose your shit over. We just want... um a bit more clinical finishing, which has kind of been a bit reminiscent of last season under Conte. Um, It could just be an off day. It's just frustrating because you wouldn't see City or Liverpool uh, having a stalemate at the London Stadium there. They'd just be too ruthless in terms of finishing, you know. Absolute um, unapologetic, ruthless shot-taking and clinical goal-scoring. So we don't have that at the minute. Don't want to blame that completely on a striker. We need more like carved open, absolute sitters. Like Yarmolenko missed that absolute sitter that like I said even Kante would score with his poor heading at the moment. We need like when Willian takes that shot, if we carved open a bit more space, a cut back across goal where it's just rolling across goal and someone's going to tap that in, that's what we need more of. And you see that happen for Liverpool and City. Maybe a bit. You know, quicker or whatever, but you see those chances happen, and we don't have those. It's all a bit compact and scrappy and frustrating. We need to d- drag him out more, and um, then someone like Ngolo Kante can get his foot on and score. Um, on a minor tangent, Sari said after the game, We missed Pedro hugely. So funny, I was so pleased when Pedro signed the new contract, and people were pissed off, but it looks like he's going to be one of Sari's most important players he praised him for occupying space out of possession movement off the ball but i want i, w- I want to like um people to give kante more of a chance cuz he's such a talented player and he learns fast he's had a few games in a new system and it's not like he's 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 running he's he's very good at link up play if you watch like highlights from him playing when he gets the ball he's being pressed he doesn't pass back he like he can he can pivot and spray the ball wide and switch the play a little bit you know, he, he used to just be a destroyer, pick up the ball, pass it to someone close to him. But he's a great pass to the ball. You know, he runs onto it, he takes it well, he can tackle. He's quick, he can run with the ball, and he can suddenly turn and do a diagonal one-touch pass. People are pissed off because he's not mopping up counter-attacks, because he's not meant to do that anymore. People need to go over that, get over that, rather. But it's 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 because he's getting in these positions, which we need to give him kudos for, because he's learnt how to do that and he's working in the system and it's just finishing so it's a confidence thing uh Giroud gets frustrated because he you know he's such he's he's the most known quantity of the striker he'll score some goals every now and again but he needs the chances coming into him i don't think he played particularly badly i think he could have done a better service and maybe could have played a bit better but i think the two frustrating figures in the team at the moment would be Kante and Morata Um, Kante because we know how amazing he is and he can't demonstrate his amazing ability as it stands at the moment. And Morata because he is not amazingly talented but he's very talented. His his problem is like emotional and confidence. Frustration, emotion, confidence uh, and throwing his toys out the pram a little bit which you don't want from a Chelsea FC striker. So again, we're going to have to give it time and coaching. If we see Morata score a couple of banging goals it'll be what were you, uh, you know, what were you worried about? We see Kante have a good game where he makes a few recoveries back from his position, maybe gets an assist, and we're like, oh, Kante's so good in his new position. So, you know, it's just fucking early doors, everyone losing their shit over an away point and a London derby. It's a new system, guys. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, I'm, I'm fine for N'Golo Kante to keep that spot. The only criticism I would have had in that game, it made the papers or the fucking news websites might have lose their shit maybe he should have subbed Kante at 60 minutes for Barkley and kept provided Kovacic wasn't absolutely knackered or didn't have a knock try it try the Kante and um, sorry excuse me Kovacic and Barkley in front of Jorginho more attacking threat them interchanging both can dribble both can try and take a shot and just see what happens you know it's not saying he's going to drop Kante just try it as a sub you know, our strikers are being subbed, our right-wingers are being subbed, they're all important, just try it with Kante, that was my only thing, maybe try and sub him, and maybe he was scared of that being a statement, I don't know, but anyway, we all love Kante, don't lose your shit over it, he could get better in that position, and let's start to wrap it up. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah. I hope I didn't sound miserable today because I'm still very very pleased with this Chelsea side It's an exciting new day, day, world, time, <laughs> team <laughs> It's going to be good, it's going to be fun We've got hard games coming up but then it will chill out a little bit We'll see what this team's made of in a few months time We have scored a lot of goals, we're not conceding a load of goals It's going to be fun, the players are happy We're happy. we got good talent coming through. The Prem's back. We all love football. Let's all be friends and have a drink. Thanks, guys, for joining me again on the pod. I'm loving it. Getting a bigger following on Twitter, talking to you guys about football, all sorts of football, mainly Chelsea FC. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, help your boy out and give me a five-star review. Wouldn't that be nice? If you like Jan... Help him out. <laughs> Five star rating and write something nice. It's always nice for me to go back and read like some positive feedback because I love doing this. Sitting in my studio right now, talking to you guys about Chelsea, win or lose. And if you've written something nice to me, it really means it. Not it really means a lot because it kind of feels like I've almost sat down with you and you're saying something nice back. So without sounding too profound, cheesy and lame, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up. So. Thanks, guys, again for listening. Up the Chels. Keep the blue flag flying high, mate. Carefree, wherever you fat it may be, mate. (laughs) And I'll see you later.